This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, and welcome to All the Right Notes, the weekly podcast from BBC Music Magazine. My name is Jeremy Pound, the magazine's deputy editor, and this, briefly, is the sound of an amateur choir. That was Midlife Choirsis, the choir I sing with in Cheltenham. Every week, many thousands like me head to churches, school halls and the like across the country to add our enthusiastic voices to amateur choral ensembles, often achieving impressive results together. I suspect, however, that I'm no means alone in finding that, come rehearsal time, I wish I sounded just that little bit better. Is my voice really in as good shape as it could be? Or are there things I could be doing to keep it in tip-top condition? To answer these questions, I headed to the Hampshire house of Olivia Sparkle, composer, conductor, vocal coach, and the author of the recently published A Young Person's Guide to Vocal Health. I'm admittedly by no means a young person myself, but I reckon that as I prepared for our midlife crisis concert that evening, she could offer me a few useful tips. Well, I'm here in the dining room of the house of Olivia Sparkle, the conductor, composer, and vocal coach. And her book, A Young Person's Guide to Vocal Health, was published earlier this year. It was indeed, Jeremy. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what we're going to do this today is that this afternoon, or this evening, I've got a concert with my choir called Midlife Choirsis. And I've only been singing for a couple of years, so I've not got a, a trained voice, and I've not got a trained singing voice at all. But I would like to know how someone like me who's not a trained singer, can get their voice in the best possible shape to sing a concert. Now, I've got the feeling I've already broken the first rule because last night I went out for a few beers and did the pub quiz. Was that the f my first mistake? 
Ah, uh, well, I was going to say, uh, trying to get ready for the concert on the day of the concert is probably your first mistake. It doesn't really matter that you had a few drinks last night. I hope you didn't do too much karaoke after those drinks. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because what can happen, of course, is we can lose our inhibitions after having a few drinks and then it is possible to sing in excess and that can cause a small amount of problems the following day, potentially. But you haven't done that, so that's really good. So what I will say is it was certainly a good idea to have some drinks yesterday, perhaps not of the alcoholic variety. But what we really want to do to get our voice into tip-top condition is to drink plenty of water all the time. So it rather depends on what kind of person you are and how much speaking and exercise you're doing. But the general advice is that you should be drinking minimum of two and a half litres a day. Now, of course, that can include other liquids that aren't water. But I would say for everyone who's trying to get ready for a concert, perhaps in a week's time, to up their water intake to about two and a half litres a day every day leading up to that event. And then you're going to be really well hydrated for that concert. Can you just explain the science behind that? What's going on by taking all this water on board? Yes, absolutely. So as I'm sure you're aware, the, the body is made up of water. Every cell has water in it. And in order for our vocal tract and specifically our vocal folds to be hydrated, we need to have a really decent amount of water available for our mucus secreting cells that are sitting just above the vocal folds to secrete thin mucus to keep everything lubricated. That's the key to keeping things lubricated because if it's not lubricated, it's harder, the onset is harder, so it's harder to start singing, it's harder to get those vocal folds connecting and, and um, vibrating together and everything is harder if something isn't well lubricated. So we really do want that sense of a, a healthy vocal tract, which is a, a lubricated vocal tract. And so in real terms, will that kind of result, if you're not taking enough water on board, will that result in sort of a kind of cracked vocal sound? Is it, or strained into the high notes? What's the actual kind of impact in real terms? Yes, well, what actually happens is the mucus isn't as thin as we want it to be. And you might have been aware of that in the past, where you've got sort of thick or stubborn mucus that seems to be sitting on the vocal folds. And that can often occur if the body's a little bit dehydrated for a little bit too long. So we really want the body to promote thin mucus. And it's going to do that if it's really, really well hydrated. Excellent. Right, so we're going to imagine that I've been drinking lots and lots of water for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really have too many beers last night. In fact, I didn't. I was okay. I was, I was quite controlled, so I think I'm okay there. So now my concert is at seven this evening, and it is now just short of midday. So what sort of what should I be doing at this stage just to keeping my, my getting my voice ready for this evening? Yes. Well, I think we should do some vocal warm-ups together. Okay, right. I... <laughs> I think that's going to be a really, really good plan. So we can think about the different things that the body needs in order to sing well, and then we can work towards that. So first of all, we do need to make sure that we have stretched because muscles are an integral part of singing. So we're sitting at the dining room table, but should we just stretch our arms into the air? Okay. Oh, very good. Our listeners Absolutely. are going to have to envisage this. Absolutely. We're stretching up and we're stretching out as well. We are sitting down, but we're still stretching. I haven't pulled any muscles yet. This no, is good. Absolutely. And you can do one arm at a time. Get a better stretch if you do one arm at a time. Excellent. And this is potentially something to do in the morning of a concert rather than just before lunch. But that's a, a, a great way, particularly given you've been driving for a bit. It's a really good way of just 
I'm stretching out those muscles. So we know we're aware. Oh, yes, get the shoulders a bit of a rollback as well. Excellent plan. So now we've had a bit of a stretch and a bit of a relax, we can also make sure that our neck is free, which is where our larynx is housed, of course. So we just gently move our head from side to side. And you might hear a little bit of creaking going on in your neck. Yep. Yeah, very good. Sign Excellent. of age. Well, I think everyone has that, so. Yeah. Very good, lovely. So we've, we've relaxed that. The next thing we're going to do is just to introduce the breath. Because, okay. of course, the voice is powered by the breath. If we don't have the breath passing over the vocal folds, then we can't make any noise at all. So we do need to get the breath going. And I think just very simply, we're just going to exhale to a shh sound. So let's do that together. Very well done. Good? That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And what we'll do this time is we'll try and exhale to a s sound, but let's try and get the air out as quickly as possible. So we're going to use lots of power to get that air out. Okay. And that's the kind of singing we're going to be doing when we've got a forte dynamic and a, a, you know, an exciting passage. We're going to use a lot of power to get those folks, perhaps high in your register, to get, get your vocal folds moving. So okay. we're going to do it on a s sound. Here we go. Keep going, keep going, get rid of that air. Keep going, go on, keep going, squeeze it out. Very well done. Brilliant. Excellent. Yeah, well, that's the kind of energy you need when you're singing high, fast, lively music. Okay, yeah. Good. Brilliant. And we'll do one more. We'll do the sounds but i think with the sound let's be really aware of how the abdominal muscles yeah i can see you sitting up which is excellent be really aware of how the abdominal muscles are squeezing out that last bit of air as you come to the end of the breath so on a f f f now very good keep going feel that squeeze at the end Fantastic. Well I can't done. do any more than No, that. I don't want you to. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. That's a really fantastic way of getting the breath going. So you've okay. now got that breath going. And then the next thing we can do is we can introduce pitch. But we're just going to introduce indeterminate pitch starting off, um, just to get the vocal folds warmed up. Although, of course, we have been talking this morning, so our vocal folds have been in use. But they're going to be vibrating together um, more when we're singing than, than when we're talking. So we're going to have more um, vibrations per second when we're singing. Lovely. So I think we could do, uh, well, let me see. Can you do a lip trill? Can you do this? Brrr. Oh, you can. That's yeah. fantastic news. Excellent. <laughs> so if listeners can't do that and they do want to get involved in that, you can use your fingers to release the muscles between the corner of your lips and your nose. If you've got tight muscles there, and you find a literal hard to, to produce, there is a, a way of releasing those muscles to do that. In fact, there's a little diagram in my book oh, that good. shows right. exactly how to do that. So it's like a little ma muscle massage around the edge yes, of the Yes, that's tenders. right. And what you do is you poke your fingers in to um, the muscles that are between the corners of your nose and the corner of your mouth. And that enables you to manually release, which then enables you to do the literal. But the brilliant thing is you can do it already. So, so that's fantastic. We're, do we're talking kind of directly up from the incisors, really, aren't yes, we? Yes, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. Yeah. But we're good. So let's just... Look, in, in your low pitch, have a go at doing some lip trills. I'll just demonstrate for you and then you can join in with me. Oh. Very 
good. Well done. Yeah. Excellent. So the great thing about that is that when the lips stop vibrating, it's because we're not sending enough breath over the vocal folds. Okay. So it's a really good way of monitoring if we're in control of that exhalation, which is fantastic. So that was low pitch. Let's try some mid-pitch lip okay. trills now. Okay. So I'll demonstrate. You join in when you're ready. <laughs> I've gone falsetto there. Should yeah, I be singing no, yes. falsetto or non-falsetto? Actually, I, I appreciate that you're singing this evening um, and that you're not here for a singing lesson, but you're really here to warm up for this concert. But actually, it's a really good idea for flexibility of the voice to move between the falsetto and the chest voice as much as you can. So I think for the future, definitely do that. And for now, why not? Let's have okay. a listen. <laughs> Like that? That's a wonderful sound. Well done. <laughs> That's really fantastic. Brilliant. And if you'd like to have a go, starting the highest note you can imagine and then just um, lip trill all the way down to your lowest possible note. Have a oh, go at that. Lord. It's oh, really right. good fun. Okay. <laughs> say that. So. It's quite hard well, on the lower, lower you go, isn't it? It is. And actually, that's a really good one for you because what we want to try and do is not have any gaps in that slide. So I'll demonstrate that. Mm. So the more you do it, the more you can get a really... Um, perfect glissando without there being any breaks. And it's a really, really great exercise because it gets the larynx moving. And that's what we want to do, the freeing up the larynx and getting that moving, getting it adjusting to different positions as we go from our very highest notes all the way down. I'm going to have another go. Should we go, go from, together? Okay, one, two, okay, three. Okay, here we go. Yeah. You've outlasted me. You did really well. I did find I've got a very large gap between the falsetto and the and the chest voice. Yes, I noticed that in your voice as just well. Just complete, complete break. Absolutely. So. so if you were coming every week, that's an area we'd work, that passaggio yeah. area, because that's a really exciting area to develop. <laughs> yeah. And it will just give you the, just maximum flexibility in your voice. And while we're on that subject, I will just say to any boy out there um, who is going through voice change at, at the moment, anyone who is perhaps 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you're going through voice change, your larynx is growing, I would suggest that you try and do this thing daily to keep that flexibility there because you're going to be a much more confident singer as an adult if you've kept the flexibility in your voice and you're able to make those amazing transitions with, with very little effort. So that's my top tip for boys. Well, you say for boys, actually, I was chatting the other day to a singer. I won't say his name. I'll preserve his anonymity. But he's with a very top-level choir these days. And he was a choral scholar at an Oxbridge college. And he said that when he started, he had no what we call passaggio, which you just mentioned at all, which for our listeners who don't know this terminology, it's the, it's the voice between the chest voice and the falsetto. It's kind of when you go high, but you're not into your falsetto voice. And he said he had no real passaggio at all. And so he bluffed, because he was a tenor, and he bluffed for his first kind of year and a bit by just popping into the falsetto the whole time. And, yeah, he, it's only eventually that he, his voice developed. Because, of course, when you start as an undergraduate, you're only 18, 19, so your voice isn't properly developed. And that's what, that's what he did. And he admitted, admitted that to me. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, and if you have that amazing, easy transition, then that's why not? You know, do what works for you. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, some of the notes right at the top of the tenor register 
don't necessarily sit well in, in, in their natural chest voice. So you can indeed mix, which is a term we use when we're moving between the two voices. And it can be almost imperceptible. So, yeah. you know, good for him. We've done our, our kind of couple of couple of warm-ups using the lips. So where do we where do we go next? Yes, we have. Um, so we can introduce some vowel sounds now. Um, for those of you who can't do lip trills, there are various other options. Can you do a rolled R? Oh, you can. So I like doing that one as well. So let's do um, let's do a rolled R, but let's let's make it a little bit more um, pitch aware. So starting in your lowest possible notes, let's do something that goes along the lines of. Yeah, so we'll do fifth. We'll go up a fifth and then down a fifth, and then perhaps the next note up, the next note up. Have a go, see what you can do for that. That wasn't a fifth, was it? That was nice, that was the general idea. And then take the next pitch up. Lovely, next note up. Lovely. I think that's really good. What I'd like you to do is to see if you can make the glissando more slidey. So we're going to be really enjoying all those, even smaller than, than semitones, something, quarter tones between those pitches. Something that goes a little bit like this. So enjoy the slide. Really very good. That's lovely. Good. So if we had a piano in front of us, we could then give ourselves a chord for the next note up, and we could yep. go all the way up, um, and and, and um, uh, until you you stop being comfortable with with what we're doing. And just to kind of see, I'm really into um ex exercising the the extremes of the voice as well as the, the the voice that we're going to be using in our performances because I think it's really great if we can if we can go to the extreme, if we can go higher than we're going to sing and lower than we're going to sing, we're doing a lot of future proofing for our voice. Yeah. So I think that's a really good idea. And when I work with children and young people, I'm really keen to enable them to extend their range in, in as their voices are, are growing and maturing. And then they find themselves able to sing all sorts of different things that they might not be able to, to attempt in the future. So even, even as adults, even as, as beginning adults, I would suggest to, to go to your extremes. And then everything else feels so much easier when you come back to the, the centre. This is quite useful because a lot of the music we're singing this evening not always, but quite a few of the pieces, they double up the basses and the tenors. Oh, yes. Now, I'm a bass. Mm, I can hear. And a lot of the music which we sing, it seems to be directed more at the tenors than at the basses. So we um, we spend a lot of the time on your kind of middle Cs, Ds, Es, which is quite uncomfortable for a bass, actually, a lot of the time. If you're doing a lot of it, it's okay just pitching up there once or twice, but actually being on there, on the level for a time, long time is actually quite quite hard work. So anything which helps to extend my range would be very, very useful. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. I do tend to find that those so-called baritone parts do tend to sit higher than your, than your average bass would want to. Um, and my experience is a lot of that music that's arranged for um, sopranos, altos and men, or sopranos, altos and baritones, does tend to sit um, some, some, somewhat slightly more uncomfortably for the for the basses than for the tenors. So, you know, you're absolutely right. But you can you can work on this every single day. Yeah. And then you can extend the the, 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 the vocal folds, um, can get, can stretch and the larynx can adjust and you will find that more comfortable. That was going to be my next question. So these exercises, I shouldn't really just be doing them on the morning of a concert, should I? <laughs> it should be, it's a case of working the muscles by doing them, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes every day? How, how much should I, a singer like me be doing, an amateur singer? Well, I mean, 
I think that you can probably get through the exercises in, in less than 10 minutes. And I have a little routine in my book, a little, there's, there's, a, um, there's a, a section in the book that takes you through this to four stages. And I think you could probably get through it in five minutes. In fact, I'm a great advocate for doing some of these exercises in the shower. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's a great environment for many reasons. It has a lovely humid environment and it's a great acoustic in the bathroom. And you can definitely do the lip trills. In fact, I do my lip trills as I'm showering in the morning. And I think you should too. I will give it a go. Mind you, my shower time is limited at the moment because I have a teenage son. Uh, as someone who has a teenage son yourself, you'll know exactly what I get, where I'm coming from here. So I kind of get a, a five minute slot just before I have to head out to work. But I'll, well, I'll give I it a go. Five minutes is better than none. So absolutely, <laughs> you go for it. And I think, of course, you know, we are, well, we are exercising our muscle here. So you do that da daily and you are going to build up. Over, I think you start noticing a difference after about two weeks, which is quite exciting. So if you can, if you can be disciplined enough to do that for two weeks, and then you'll find yourself with potentially a stronger range, uh, a stronger voice, and uh, a, a potentially wider range. And then if you get keep that going over several years, that really does future-proof your voice for you. And of course. Bathrooms tend to be tiled and have wonderful acoustics. They always sound good as well, don't they? Exactly. Which is <laughs> why it's a brilliant place to do it. Yeah. So let's, let's continue with our warm-ups there. So what, what else do we need to be doing? Yes, fantastic. So we've done some of our semi-occluded vocal tract exercises now, which are our lip drills and our um, roll-dar. And for those of you who can't do that, we could have done a, ooh, a ghostly ooh sound, which works for everyone. But what we really want to do now is to introduce um, more pitch work. And we can do pitch work based on ma or mi or mu or pa to all the different sounds that we can create using an, a nice consonant at the beginning and then a vowel sound. So let's do ma, shall we? So a nice one to do would be ma, 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 ma. Have a go. Ma, 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 ma. And then next note up. Ma, 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 ma. Ma, 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 ma. Ma 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 I think that was top. Was that an E at the top there? Really, really well. That's absolutely fine. And again, you know, just enjoy the fact that you are extending your range and be brave and 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 push through it. And I find the same with soprano. Sometimes it feels really tight. When we get into the higher register for sopranos and it sounds really intense in the head as well and so mine just encourage my singers just to, to carry on through and that's where the the worst that's where the, the really good warm-up happens yeah fantastic so a few of those and then you can change your vowel sound um, and then you've done a really nice vocal warm-up which is you know a really fantastic thing to have done every day singers then tend to go into some more technical exercises and you would probably do the technical exercises that you need for the kind of repertoire you're going to be singing. So if you've got lots of melismas in your repertoire, lots of notes to just one syllable, then you might do some practice on that. If your repertoire has lots of wide leaps in it, you might do some practice of that, you know, some octave practice perhaps. Um, and so that's that's how I tend to teach. I tend to use the, the, the technical challenges from the repertoire and then we introduce that into the lessons and we look at you know, technical exercises once the voice is warmed up. 
Good. So where do we go next? Well, tell me what repertoire you're doing tonight and we could have a little think about getting ready for that. <laughs> right. This, e- this evening's concert is show tunes. Oh, what fun. So what do I need to be doing to be preparing now? We've done some warm-ups, so what are, what are we going to do next? Yes, absolutely. Well, why don't we have a look at what you're actually going to be singing this evening and see if we can extract some ideas from the repertoire itself, which we can introduce into some um, technical exercises, which are going to get you completely prepared for that repertoire. Brilliant. Right. Well, we're doing songs which are related to musicals and films, by and large. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through them and I'll hand them over as I do so. So we've got Seasons of Love from Rent. Perfect. Excellent. Um, oh, yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, May It Be, which was actually originally recorded by Enya, and it's um, that's from Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yes. Fantastic. So that's a Look slower, that. kind of more folky piece. Oh, then there's my favourite, yeah. which is um, One Day More from Les Mis. Oh, yeah, that is a classic. It's, it's great fun. Lots yeah. of words in there. Quite hard to get your, your teeth round. We could do fun. some work on that. Yeah. Good idea. We've also got Glow by Eric Whittaker. That's, again, another like that. a slower moving one. Yes, I do love a bit of Eric Whittaker. Very good. Then we've got um, The Fools Who Dream from La La Land. Oh, right. Something bang up to date. Very good. Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, it says it's from Glee, but I've, I think most, <laughs> most people will know it better in its original, Absolutely. original thing. Fantastic arrangement there. Brilliant. Yeah. The Ashokan Farewell by Jay Unger, which features in The Civil War. Ken, oh, Ken Burns' is The Civil War. Gosh, you really are doing film and musical, aren't yeah. you? Wonderful. Out Here on My Own from Fame, which is our, oh, yes. our conductor's favourite oh, really? musical. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And then another one which, theoretically, it's from a from a film or a musical from Shrek, is um, Leonard Cohen's Alleluia. But again, oh, right. most people okay. know that yes. from, from yes. something else. Brilliant. Oh, this is really very exciting for me. Um, not least because a couple of weeks ago, I set up my own musical theatre choir. Oh, so, good. Excellent. Good. So I, I, I love to see this repertoire and I'm... Several pieces here um, ring true with me. So I'm now running a Sing Space musical theatre choir in Fordingbridge, which is brilliant fun. And we've had just two rehearsals so far. And we are indeed doing some of the Les Miserables songs. Oh, good. So we're enjoying doing that. And I know that Bohemian Rhapsody and Seasons of Love are also on the cards. Excellent. So I would say tried and tested repertoire, which is really perfect. So you were saying earlier about um, getting your teeth around one day more. Yes. And there are lots of exciting exercises that we can do based on little sections of that. Do you want to give me a little bit of these men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time? <laughs> okay, I can much? give it a go. Yep. <laughs> so let's try and find where we are. So you're just going to, it's on, it's on the page turn. Oh, yes. So yep. have you got perfect pitch? Can you send no, me a D? No, go and get you a D if you want a D. If we're going to go and get a D. <laughs> we're going to get a D. So what I think we'll do is, shall we have a look at a phrase from One Day More, a phrase that has lots of semiquavers, and have a go at that, and then see if we can build that up into the right tempo. Have a go. Okay, we'll do that. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. Yeah, fantastic. It's a really nasty interval in that, isn't there? Yes. Just find me that one again. It's from crime to surely. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. Yeah, fantastic. And that particular interval, I think, you're taking yourself back. Ah, yes. So you started on these men, and then surely is the same note as you sang on men. So I think if you can keep that note in your head, the men note, and then be clear that you're going back for that surely note, and I think we can then build that up. 
Really good. Because ironically, my sure didn't sound very sure, did no, it? No, not at all. It was the most unsure note of the lot, actually. <laughs> Case. Yeah. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. Yeah, well done. So we're going to these men, sure. Let's just do those two notes in, in isolation. Men, sure. Men, sure. Brilliant. Men, sure. Men, sure. Men, sure. Men, sure. Men, sure. Men, sure. Lovely. Now, these. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. Yeah, very nice indeed. Well done. So those are the kind of exercises that you can build up around troublesome repertoire, particularly if there are lots of notes or difficult intervals. It's the kind of thing your choir director will probably be doing with you. But if you're aware of it and you're working on your repertoire at home, you can also introduce those little bits. So I would say always go for the tricky bits. Practice the tricky bits at home. You don't really need to sing through all the repertoire on the day of the concert, but it's definitely worth getting the music out and having a little look at the troublesome bits. Yeah. And particularly intervals, would you say, because they're the sort of they're the things which get you in concerts. You think you've got it and then suddenly they desert you. Is it a bit like muscle memory that the kind of the more you just repeat an interval within the piece, eventually it kind of sits there and just stays? Yes, that's exactly right. Um, and it rather depends on what vowel sound you're singing as to how it feels, which is why we did that little exercise in isolation, getting those men and sure notes comfortable. Because, of course, singing meh, eh and sure or are two different vowel sounds, which means that you've got a different position in your mouth and it means it feels different even though it's the same pitch. Mm. So you can do lots of different vowel sound practices on the same pitch. So, um, oh, e, ah, eh, all on the same pitch. So you can practice getting those different sounds confident whatever sound happens to be coming out on that pitch. Mm. But yeah, you make a very good observation there. And actually that, that A I find is a particularly, for some reason, a particularly awkward note for me. I kind of, I'm more comfortable in the Bs and Cs above it and anything below it. So I guess that everyone has a, a note which is just sits very uncomfortably within their range. Yes, that's exactly right. And what was interesting to me is the E sound on men was lovely, but the OR sound on shore felt more uncomfortable. So what are we going to do next? Ooh, well, would you like to have a look at some of the bits from Bohemian Rhapsody or from Seasons of Love? Let's go for, let's go for Seasons of Love, I yeah. think. excellent. So if I remember correctly, there is a melisma in this, in that middle section where we have one, oh, but not for you so much. No, no, ah, it's the altos great. who have the, the horrible melisma, yes. They do. So they sing love on lots and lots of notes, don't they? And that can be quite tricky, so that's something you can do in isolation. But you mostly seem to be singing ooh in this piece. We are, yes. There's one wordy bit, actually, which is quite tricky. Ooh, towards I'll, I'll hand the music to you. You have a little look for me. Now, this, this bit, which I really struggle with, is... And I'm going to ask you what's the, the tactic again. I think you might just say to slow it down and just work up to it. So we have this bit here where we're going, let's celebrate, remember, a year in the life of friends. Oh, yes, that's Now, great. that's very, very wordy. Certainly so when is. you've got to think about the pitch as well. So what's your what's yeah. your advice for getting around that? Let me have a little look at that bit with you. Oh, yes, I see what you mean. And rhythmically, of course, it's all um, syncopation and all sorts, isn't it, as well? So trying to get that exactly right is going to be a bit of a challenge. And, of course, for you, that's in the nastiest bit of your register. It is, So I yes. can't imagine you enjoy singing that <laughs> I bit. I hate it. <laughs> dear me. Right. Well, again, you know, breaking it down and singing it, um, repeating just that phrase would be a really good idea. And of course, the other thing we can do when it's very wordy is we can just sing the vowel sounds and leave the consonants out. Oh. And then we can introduce those. 
or we can sing it on a lip trill or rolled R and then introduce the words afterwards. And I found success in all of those ideas. Can you show me an example of the last one? Yeah, I definitely can, but we need to go and get the pictures. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right then, why don't you have a little go at that celebrate section and then we'll see what we can do. Okay, it's very high, so I'm a bit nervous about this bit. Celebrate, remember, a year in the life of friends. Yeah, you handle that really nicely. But what we can try and do is just sing it on the lip trill instead. So it goes something like this. Have okay. vibrating showed that you were sending enough air across your vocal folds to do that whole phrase, which is really impressive. Right. Have one more go at that, but remember to breathe in first. <laughs> Good, let's do that one more time. And remember taking a deep breath and keep those lips vibrating all the way through. I, I briefly, briefly lost it on life actually. You so. did, I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> Lovely, and now let's try singing it. Okay. Celebrate, remember, a year in the life of friends. Well, to me, that sounded very much better. Good, and much yeah. more in your in your range. So you did brilliantly. That was a lot more comfortable, yeah. I'm so. really glad to hear that. <laughs> so that's a real top tip for you. If you're finding a phrase difficult, pop it into the lip trill or the rolled R, and then when you sing it with the words again, it will feel a little easier because you've practised it on that semi-occluded vocal tract. Brilliant, way. wonderful, yeah. good. Right, well, I think we probably need to move on from the actual exercises now, because we're. I think we're, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling in good shape for this evening. I want to ask you just about one or two other things about kind of performing in concert as well, if that's okay. Yeah, let's. Now, one thing, I'm, I'm fairly confident. I, I enjoy my singing and I'm not too worried, especially if you're within a choir, but I know a lot of people get quite stressed about the idea of singing, um, particularly if they've got a solo. Have you got any great tips for them to overcome that? Yes, you're absolutely right. So performance anxiety is a real thing that people go through um, and we mustn't make light of it. It is really important to take it seriously and to be aware of some of the symptoms, but also what you can do to alleviate them and to prepare yourself. But you've already done loads of brilliant things by making sure that you're well hydrated and that you've done a vocal warm up and that you've done some exercises and you've learned the repertoire as well. Because sometimes performance anxiety or worrying about a performance is simply because the singer isn't well prepared. And then there are a few other things that can help you mitigate against having a, a, a bad experience, making sure that the clothes that you're wearing are going to be comfortable to perform in. So I would say for ladies, I don't think stilettos are the best plan. Um, it does tend to readjust the position of your hips if you're wearing stilettos and you have to compensate that for the way that you stand. So if you are used to practicing in flat shoes and you put six inch heels on for a performance, you might find it's much harder to be in control of your breathing and that can have a real impact. But just generally speaking, what you wear from head to toe is, a, is an important consideration. Making sure, gentlemen, that the trousers you are wearing do fit and they aren't too tight. Because, of course, if you've done a button-up on a pair of trousers that fit perhaps 15 years ago but don't seem to fit anymore, you know, the DJ you wore when you were a student, you might find that actually popping a cummerbund on and leaving that button undone is the key to being able to sing well and to support 
your breath on the abdominal muscles without compromising yourself. So, you know, it might sound a little bit silly to say these things, but they are really, really important considerations. If you if you leave trying on your DJ until the last possible moment to find the trousers are too tight, then that's obviously going to have an impact on how you perform. And then other things such as making sure that you've had something to eat and drink before you perform, really very important. Make sure your blood sugar levels are at the right level. Uh, and sometimes the rehearsal on the day can get in the way of that. So perhaps having a banana handy to have a quick snack um, an hour or so before the concert is a really good idea because that can help you just make sure that you are prepared for that concert and not desperate for something to eat or drink. And having a bottle of water with you throughout the rehearsal is really important too. Sometimes on the day, the rehearsal can last three hours if you're doing Messiah, for example. Um, and for going, going three hours without having a drink in one of those afternoon rehearsals is not a cunning plan if you're going to be performing the same repertoire again that evening. So there are loads of things that you can do to make sure you're in a good position. And just as um, sportsmen, they're kind of obsessed by the... It's about the whole body, isn't it? Even if you're doing a throwing event in athletics or whatever, you actually you actually start your exercises right from the bottom up, don't you? It's the same with singing. It's that you've got to think about the whole self. It's not just about the vocal cords and your top half, is it? It's your, your whole posture is important. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. And alignment of the body is really, really crucial. So you do need to make sure you're standing well. Now, sometimes when you're asked to stand on a platform or stand in front of a chair and there's not much space, you end up compromising your standing position. And that can end up to the body being misaligned. So do be aware of that when you're standing on the stage this evening. Make sure that you are able to put your feet flat on the floor um, and that your, your, your feet are about a hand width apart and that you're able to stand well. And then when you hold the music, make sure you're holding the music in both hands, not just in one hand. So try not to increase unnecessary tension into the body. And mm. as I mentioned earlier, the shoes are important and what you're wearing also really important to make sure that you're not constricting anything when you're singing. Round the neck as well, make sure the, the shirt isn't too tight because if you're going to constrict your larynx, that's not going to make for a great experience for anyone. Yeah. One thing which, I, which dawned on me earlier on, actually, when we were doing those exercises, is that when I was younger and I was a, a boy treble, I had no kind of awareness of my voice at all. And by that I meant I could sing very happily and I didn't even worry about what it sounded like. These days as an adult, I'm far more aware of what I might sound like. Um, how do you get past that barrier? Do you just kind of say, well, forget it and enjoy yourself or... Yeah, it's really interesting that the inhibitions that children have uh, make them in, in many ways great for singing that incredibly complex repertoire as, as cathedral and chapel choristers. And, you know, we give them all sorts of repertoire that's incredibly challenging and they just seem to deliver without, without a second thought. And then I think we do overthink things a little bit as adults. So I think the first thing to, to point out is that what you hear and what everyone else hears is very different. And we can do something to um, get a sense of what everyone else hears. We take our hands, and if we place our hands just in front of our ears and then sing something, it's gonna sound a little different, and that's a more of an indication as to how we sound to people listening to us. Do you want to have a go at that? Okay, yeah. So just... pop your hands, just, that's right. Yes, yeah, so that's right. And just sing a little phrase of anything. La, 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 la. And do you see how different it sounds? Yes, la, 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 la. Yes, you're not getting so much of the sort of, I don't know, it's the inner voice, it's more the external sound, yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and I've heard singing teachers say to students, um, make it sound nasty. 
and that can bring the, the, the resonance forward. And it might sound nasty to you, but it sounds fantastic to us. So I would suggest that leave it up to your singing teacher or vocal coach or choir director to tell you if they're not happy with what they hear and try and give them the responsibility of doing that and you sing to your best ability without worrying unduly about how you're sounding. Brilliant. Right, so we've now covered diet, we've covered hydration, which is very important, we've yeah. covered exercises, we've covered posture. I think we're pretty much ready for this evening's concert. One thing which I want to ask is that, of course, if you've just started singing again, which I have over the last couple of years, it's not going to be just one concert. I want to be singing now for the next 10, 15 years. Those of us who've started singing in a later age, can we expect to see some improvement to our voices over the next, say, 10, 15 years? Or are we stuck with what we've got at the moment? Well, I think that there is definitely room for improvement, whatever age you start singing or start back singing. So if you do those vocal exercises that we chatted about earlier on, you are going to be able to create a more flexible sound, you're going to be able to extend your range, and you're going to be able to increase your stamina. And these are all things that are absolutely essential when it comes to enjoying singing, both as a hobby and in performance. So absolutely, I would say, whatever age you are, if you fancy joining a choir, come along. Excellent. Right, well, I think I'm, I'm now ready to sing this evening. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to our concert this evening in Cheltenham. Um, I hope it's going to go well. And in the meantime, thank you very much for your time and for helping me. And I'll let you know how we get on. Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Jeremy. I hope you have a wonderful concert. Really enjoy yourself. Enjoy singing in the brilliant way you've been singing with me all morning. And let me know how you get on. Have I, fun. I think maybe in a couple of years' time, we can come back and see how see if I've made any improvement or see, see how my voice has developed. Absolutely. Daily exercises then. I'll do that. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. Well, if we still have any listeners left after I've subjected them to my singing just there, um, I am now in the in the studio with my BBC Music magazine colleagues, Charlotte Smith, Michael Beek and Steve Wright. Hello. Hello. We're still here. <laughs> You're all still here, yeah. And we've all warmed up. Yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> good. Excellent. <laughs> I want to know about your own singing, whether you do it or not. Um, have any of you ever sung regularly in a choir? And I don't mean kind of school assembly here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I used to, I used to sing in choirs at school. Yeah, that yeah. counts. Yeah, I was yeah. in all the choirs at school. I was in the main choirs and the chamber choirs. And I even, you know, sung in a madrigal for a bit at school because one of the teachers was, was into her music in that way. Well, that counts. I was just thinking not just singing kind of all things bright and beautiful okay. at the back of the school assembly yes. hall. Yeah, and I always really loved singing at Christmas time in the cathedral. That mm. was that was a lot of fun. And then when I went to Cambridge, I was in a, the, the choir at Magdalen Chapel uh, and I sung the services there every Sunday. So quite a lot of singing, actually. Are yeah. you a soprano or, or an alto? I'm a soprano. Right. Yeah, my voice is quite high. So you always used to sing the top line? 
Yes, although I have sung alto. I used to sing the alto part when I was at school because it would usually be two-part. It was an all-girls school, so it'd be two-part choir. So I would, would sing the lower part then. Mm. But yeah, I am a soprano. Mm. Mm. What about you, Steve? Uh, yeah, I did actually not long ago here in Bristol. I was a member of choir for a two or three years. I quite enjoyed it. A few things, I suppose, didn't quite work for me, and I'm going to cause offence here by saying we sang a lot of show tunes, which were not quite my thing. <laughs> Apologies to the <laughs> fans of those. But uh, I, I'd enjoyed it. Another thing, I was probably not quite in the right voice. I was stuck in basses due to the ubiquitous shortage of bass voices, I believe, um, where I'm probably more baritone or, or tenor, so I found myself labouring with some of those low notes. Do you know what your range is? No. No. <laughs> if I sing to you, can you tell me? No. <laughs> and that wouldn't work for anyone. But no, I, I felt like I was struggling towards the low ones. And when there are just three of you per section, we were quite a small choir, I felt I was probably going I think through. that is a, actually a fairly standard problem, is that people often find, particularly amateur singers, find themselves stuck in the wrong voice. Mm. Um, we sing a lot of show tunes um, with my choir as well. Um, a lot of it is pitched too high for me. I've not got a particularly high voice. I'm much more comfortable lower down. Yeah. And yet when you're being asked to sing middle C's, D's and E's the whole time, it's actually quite a big strain. You've yes. got a lower voice. The yeah. tenors love it. So that's kind of grist to the mill for them. Yeah. What about you, Michael? Um, not really at all. I mean, apart from school, where, you know, there was a school choir, but only a couple of times a year for the summer concert and the Christmas mm -hmm. concert, which, you know, we sort of leapt at, mainly because it meant you could go indoors and have your lunch inside, not have to go <laughs> to the playground. <laughs> um, but no, I always enjoyed it. Um, but no, never really sung in a choir. I always find it quite daunting, the thought of doing it. I think I can sing. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. I think I, I could, but I just have never done it. So what might persuade you to join a choir, Michael? Um, more show tunes. Sorry, Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. A I different think, choir. The things that stopped me from doing it are again, not knowing really what my voice range yeah. is. I don't know where I am. And when I have ever sung, again, not very often, I seem to be in the wrong place. So it's either goes too high or goes too yes. low. So it's knowing that. And I always find the only time I've sung uh, a one to a sort of part singing is when I joined the, the ex-student and staff choir at my secondary school. We had to sing Gaudete. And I knew the Steely Span version, <laughs> which is like the main melody. And I wanted to sing that, but that wasn't the bit that I was given. Oh. And I didn't like singing a bit that I didn't know. No. So that puts me off as well. I want to sing the bit that I know <laughs> and not the bit that I'm given. So you ought to be going, Gaudete, Gaudete, Christa. And you, in fact, you're having to do sort of... I was like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I was like, no, I don't. Well. <laughs> but things, I find that really interesting because what I love about singing today is what I didn't have when I was little because... Like Charlotte, when I was little, I had a very high voice. So I was always on the top line for everything. I was always had the tunes, the easy bits to follow. These days, I love being in the inside voices, the lower voices where you're providing the harmony. It's so much more satisfying. Um, and one thing about your range, Michael, this is interesting, is that um, I'd say on the podcast itself, I've only been singing properly, mm. regularly, for about three years now, two, three years. And my range has increased hugely in that time, oh, really? both up and down just through regular it's like all muscles you, sure. you're you're developing your muscles and you develop your vocal cords and i find that i've gone down two or three um tones in the bass and up two or three um at the top of my range so i had a tiny range when i first started singing with my current choir these days it's okay it's not great but it's not too awful mm -hmm. it's something you do do develop like so. a muscle you work yes yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and the good news is, of course, we have a choir here at Our Media, 
<laughs> no excuse. Well, <laughs> I don't come in on Wednesdays. I'm so, busy at uh, lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll start small. I'll join a little schooly type choir with no staves and no music because that would also terrify me. Uh, and then maybe I'll work my way up. Okay, I'm. I'm thinking. One really good way to, because I can tell you're all actually really itching to sing. <laughs> you're all musical. You've all got some sort of voice. There must be a piece where you think, oh, I'd really rather like to sing that. And it might be a way in. What, what piece is it? The Requiem, the Mozart Requiem. I love that piece. And I've played it quite a lot in the orchestra, but I think it'd be really great to sing it as well. So, yeah, I think that one for me. I think the lacrimosa of the Mozart Requiem. Mm. Once you've sung that, you can you can just stop. It's just so mm. such a, it's it's so emotional, but it's so, it's so beautiful to sing. It's so well Mozart. It was so well pitched. Mozart was brilliant at writing for the voices, so I can understand that. Michael, I think the thing that I wish I could sing, which I know is just insurmountable, and you'll like this, Steve. Sorry, is Music of the Night from Phantom of the Opera because it's. Very difficult. Again, the <laughs> range, um, you know, if you know the original by Michael Crawford, it goes mm. extremely high and he holds notes for the longest time. I just mm. don't know how he's, I'd pass out, I think. <laughs> but I'd love to learn that technique mm. and the breath control and being able to hold and sustain a note like that. Mm. For me, well, apart from learning the Bowie back catalogue, well, that's yeah. probably for another podcast. I'm a huge fan of sacred music from the 15th, 16th century, so I'd love to sing some Talis or some bird, or some allegory. So tell me, can I start practicing speminalium tomorrow? I think speminalium is pitching yourself right at the very top because it's got so many voices. It's very complex. But some nice bird be nice to do. Yep. Yep. Um, some bird magnificats or nunc demistices or his five-part mass would be good. He's very manageable. A lot of other talis is also very manageable as well. Kind of nice long lines, and you can immerse yourself in in talis and bird. You kind of sing, and then you suddenly realise that you're halfway through the piece, and you're kind of you've almost not noticed it go past. It's lovely. I think you should. I think you should join a, a, a madrigal society or something like that, Steve. <laughs> do you, Jeremy? Do you get to wear an outfit if you do that? Sort of like old-fashioned sort of garb. That'd be nice. I, I do hope so. It was. It was fun singing madrigals at school. They are really nice mm. to sing. Mm. So yeah, and usually yeah. quite quite a sort of intimate little group. So you feel like you're really contributing. It's great. Okay. At this point, I ought to point out to our readers that the dif- difference between a madrigal and a motet. A madrigal is a um, secular piece. Whereas a motet is sacred, so the stuff you see in church tends to be motets mm. rather than madrigals. Yeah. And on that note, haha, um, <laughs> brings brings an end to this this podcast. At this point, I really feel we ought to to sing goodbye, a bit like the Von Trapps in Sound of Music. But I don't think we'll subject our listeners to that. Instead, we'll say goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.